You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Hey, Resonate, it's great to be with you again as we are in the third uh, sermon of this series called The Feels, as we are looking at the idea of emotional health and actually how that connects to spiritual health and the fact that they are really inseparable. And uh, we've, been, we've been looking at some of the emotions that God gives us. And, you know, uh, on our website at resonate.net slash resources, our folks have done a great job of putting a toolbox together there that, that you can uh, just find some good resources to help with this, along with the sermons. We've, we've been looking at things like compassion and anger, and last week, um, Matthew Young just did, God just really used him as he talked to us about shame. And today, we're going to continue, and I want to talk with us about the very important emotion of fear. Fear. You know, um, a while back, a friend of mine, he asked me a question. He, he said, you've been in ministry a long time. You've worked with a lot of people. He said, if you could name one problem that is kind of the number one problem that you would say people deal with, what is it? And I thought about it for a while. It's quite a question. It's a good question. And finally, I, I, I said, yeah, I think it's fear. I think the number one uh, issue that underlies so many of the problems, whether it's the motivations, whether it's underneath decisions we make, whether it's people missing out on so much of life, and then even underneath the heartbreak of some of the things that happen, so often it's, it's fear that's led to those places. So I want us to look today at how fear connects to our, uh, our relationship with Christ, and I just want us to understand it a little bit better. Now, I, I do want to say there is, there is something good about fear. I mean, fear is an emotion that God has given us. So there must be something good in it, right? And, and what is good about fear is that fear alerts us to danger. It alerts us to a potential threat. Now, like on a physical example, if you and I were walking through the woods and we heard the rattle of a rattlesnake, uh, hopefully we would feel some fear. That fear would cause us to change our path or change our route a little bit and potentially save our lives. Fear has a good use. But what we're going to look at today when it comes to fear and uh, as it impacts our, our, our emotional dealing with fear, we have to decide whether the threat of danger, fear, is going to cause us to change our path or not, especially when it comes up against obeying God. And I'll explain that a little bit better as we get there because part of what we want to understand is that we don't want to let threats or the potential for danger control our lives. We don't want to let our lives be controlled by fear. Sometimes we might call that a phobia. A phobia is actually a, an irrational fear, or you could just say a, a really strong uh, control of fear. And there's a lot of different kinds of phobias. You, you might be familiar with necrophobia, which is the fear of death. There is uh, on, onphalophobia, which is the fear of belly buttons. Uh, I did not discover whether innies or outies are more terrifying. I'm not sure which. Uh, there is arachibutrophobia, which is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. 
Uh, I didn't make this up. That, that's, that's real. And then there is windbagophobia, which is a fear of long sermons. I, I did make that one up. But there is uh, another one that you probably, if you don't know the name, you might know the fear. Glossophobia is the fear of public speaking. It's the fear of losing your notes during public speaking. No, it's the fear of public speaking. And what's interesting about this fear is that people rank the fear of public speaking higher than they rank the fear of death. To which Jerry Seinfeld says, that means for most people, if they had to go to a funeral, they'd rather be the guy in the casket than the one giving the eulogy. (laughs) It's real. And, And what's interesting is that that fear, the fear of public speaking, actually captures the two fears that I want to talk about today. Uh, I want to look at two fears that I believe we all deal with basically every day. The two fears are this. I want to look at the fear of failure and the fear of rejection. Both of those, the fear of failure and the fear of rejection. You know, when I became a pastor, by far the scariest part of thinking about becoming a pastor to me was preaching every week. I mean, not only because I felt like I said everything I knew the first week and I wasn't the world am I going to talk about all the rest of the weeks. It was also that, you know, these two fears were front and center. Man, I'm trying to give God's word. And what if I blow it? I mean, what if I just fall on my face and and there's that fear of, of doing that. And then the other side of You know, the fear that once people see what a bad preacher I am, nobody's ever going to come back. You know, that fear of that fear of rejection. Now, the good news in that is that that fear caused me to lean hard into the Lord. And that that was good. But I can promise you that those fears carried way too much weight in my life. And they did for a long, long time. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But what I want to do today as we look at these fears, I... I want to look at these two fears. I want to describe them a little bit, what, what's underneath them, what they look like, how they affect us. And then I want to look at the gospel's answer to these fears. We'll just, we're going to see how our emotional health and how the gospel come right together. They really are intertwined. And what we're going to see is that so much of our fears are based on some beliefs that we have. And I'm going to, before we jump into the first fear, I'm going to give us a formula in just a moment. But I want to tell you, this comes from Dr. Robert McGee, who wrote a book about 40 years ago called The Search for Significance. And this book has been very shaping to Beverly and I, and is also shaping to this message as well. But he, he gives this formula that I believe is just true for probably every human being on the planet and it's, it's this belief. It, it says this, that my self-worth equals my performance plus other people's opinions of me. That where I find my self-worth when I can feel good about myself is in my performance plus other people's opinions of me. Now, that is what all of us have as a default belief. Thankfully, as followers of Christ, that is not true but we'll get there. Now with that underlying, you see that that will cover both of the fears we're going to look at today. So let's, let's begin to look at this first fear today, the fear of failure. The fear of failure. Now what does the fear of failure mean? I, I have kind of a definition for you if you're taking notes. The fear of failure is a belief. It's a belief that I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. 
I believe, you know, we tend to do what we believe, right? And the fear of failure is, I believe I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. You know, it's, it's the belief that my value is based on my performance. If I perform well enough, if I measure up, then I can feel good about myself. If I can meet the standard, of course, the problem is, what's the standard? It's a moving target. It, it keeps changing, and usually it's a little higher than whatever we've accomplished. And so over and over, we feel like we failed, and we find ourselves feeling miserable from, from failing. And, and failing, <laughs> it is painful. I, I was remembering this week, I, uh, back not maybe a couple of years, one or two years after 9-11, uh, the city we were living in, where I was pastoring Gresham, Oregon, on the east side of Portland, the city had a big event around 9-11, the remembrance of it. It was right downtown on Main Street. Uh, they had bands. The, the mayor was going to speak. A lot of kind of fairly big-name folks for that area were going to be there. And they asked me to give a public prayer there at that, uh, at that uh, event. I was very surprised that they... They asked for that, and they asked me to do it. So I was honored to do it. But I remember I walked up on the stage, and when I began to pray, I got nervous, and my mind went blank. I, mean, I, couldn't, I couldn't even hardly pray. I couldn't think of what to say to the Lord. I, I finally fumbled through something and was happy to get to amen. And I walked off the stage, and man, did I feel like a failure. And what's interesting is that bothered me for days. It wasn't just that I said, well, man, yeah, I failed at that one. Hope I get another chance. Uh, I'll do it better next time or something like that. No, I was, it bothered me. I didn't just feel like I failed. I felt like a failure because my performance determined how I felt about myself. Of course, probably the other, the other fear, the fear of rejection, what people think uh, was there too because I was kind of embarrassed. I'm like, well, people probably think, what kind of pastor is that? You know, he can't even pray. Those kind of experiences, they're painful, and they test, they test our understanding of where we get our value. It's so natural for us to believe that my value comes from my performance. Um, it, it's this, the fear of failure is the belief that I can't feel good about myself unless I meet these certain standards, whatever they are. Now, th this fear of failure can lead to a number of results, and I want to give a, just a few possibilities. There's more possibilities than this. But one is, is perfectionism. This is where I have fallen into. It's the idea that, that I have to do everything perfectly. And if I don't do it perfectly, then it's a failure. And that's, that's a ridiculous standard, right? I've never preached a perfect sermon, when, not that that even matters, but there's, that's, that's always been a, a, that part of the way that challenge has impacted me. Now, the reality is there's nothing wrong with doing things well. It's just that the problem comes when our self-worth is based on how well we do it, when our self-worth is based on accomplishing a goal. So perfectionism is one, or the opposite of that, you could call it risk avoidance, where we, we're just afraid to try anything. We, we're afraid we're going to fail, so we just don't do anything. Or we only do the things we know we're good at. 
We're, we're afraid to try anything outside of what we already know we're good at. No, I'm not going to do that because the risk of failure is too much. Now, another response sometimes is pride. Pride. When, when our value is based on our performance, sometimes we often develop kind of this inflated view of ourselves. It's almost like a false pride. It can come, come across sometimes as arrogance. What it really is, is kind of a cover for an insecurity we feel on, on the inside, kind of trying to present a persona to cover for the fear and insecurity we feel for not meeting those standards. Another could be depression. Uh, we begin to believe we are a failure based on our performance and that things are never going to change. And uh, Depression sometimes is described as anger turned inward or as a deep sense of loss. And it can come also from just a loss of hope and, you know, just assuming this is the way things are always going to be and who I'm always going to be. Sometimes that's the response. And then also sometimes chemical dependency is actually a response to a fear of failure and a beginning to believe we could, we're never going to do anything but fail. So sometimes uh, alcohol or drugs are used to kind of ease the pain of that. Or even sometimes, at least for a while, there's the belief that maybe drugs or alcohol helps me perform better. And so I feel less like a failure. I feel better about myself. But of course, the problem there is eventually it often turns into an addiction, which is then just another place to feel like a failure. So, you know, all these are painful results of living with the fear of failure and living, believing that my value is based on my performance, which is all a lie. So what is the answer to this? What is the gospel's answer to the fear of failure? Well, it, it is found in the theological truth of the theological principle of justification. Justification. Here's the belief. Here's the truth. That we have been justified and placed in right standing before God through Christ's death on the cross, which paid for our sins. That's the great news of the gospel. That God, through Jesus, has given us a secure self-worth, and it's totally apart from our ability to perform. Isn't that amazing? I mean, look at that. We have been justified and placed in right standing before God. What does it say? By our good works and our good performance. Of course, that's not what it says. Thankfully, that's not what it says. It doesn't even say anything about us. It's all about Jesus. We've been justified and placed in right standing before God through Christ's death on the cross, which paid for our sin. The Apostle Paul gives us a very concise picture of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where he says this, that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to become sin for us, so that in him, in him, when we enter a relationship with him, we might become the righteousness of God. You see, it's amazing. God didn't just provide us forgiveness, as incredible as that is. He also granted us the very righteousness of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, one way to describe that would be, let's just say we, we, took, we had two ledgers. One ledger gives an account of all of my sin, uh, just shows my sin nature, all my sin, past, present, and future. The other ledger, ledger is, is the righteousness of God. 
This is Jesus' ledger. And when we come to know Christ, it's like we give Jesus our ledger. We give him our sin and he takes our sin upon himself. That's what he did on the cross. And we receive his ledger, the righteousness of God. Which means when we enter that relationship, we move into right standing with the Father in the same way that Jesus is. It's an amazing thing. We become a new person. We don't just become a sinner who's trying to do better. We become new. We have a new nature. We receive the righteousness of God. And that means it is not our performance. It was His performance on the cross that makes us right with Him. Your performance is not what gives you worth. It was His performance on the cross that shows your value and that you are fully accepted by Him. Now, let me ask you this. Do you believe that? I mean, do you, don't, don't just say, yeah, 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 I believe that. No, do you believe that? Is it, does it impact how you think? Does it impact how you think about yourself, how you respond to failure? Do you believe it? Now, you might say, and this is what I said for way too many years, I would say, you know, I believe that about you. I believe that for you. I'm just having a little trouble believing it about me, which sounds humble at first. But really what I'm saying is, you know, I can believe it for you, but I'm not sure about my sin. My, my sin might just be a little more than Jesus' death could cover. Well, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. And it's good to believe it for others, but we must believe that it's true for us. Do you believe it? Well, I want to give you a question just to think about. I might, I might bring this one back again. I don't know uh, later. But this question right here is, if you think of yourself differently than God thinks of you, who is mistaken, you or God? How you think of yourself in Christ matters. How do you think of yourself? How do you think of yourself? Listen, what God says about you is true. It's more true than how you feel about yourself. Now, we could, we could spend weeks on this subject, but I want to go to the, to the next fear. So we have the fear of failure, so much we could talk about. But then there's also the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection, which also comes from another belief. Fear of rejection is when I believe that I must meet the approval of certain others to feel good about myself. I believe that there are certain people that I must be accepted by. Now, sometimes that could be a certain group, a certain time in our life. We feel like, man, if, I, if I'm not accepted by that group, I'm just, I have no value. You know, you feel bad about yourself or sometimes it's different individuals from our past. It might be a parent or another authority figure Sometimes it's a critic that every time you do something, their face or their, their voice is in your mind, usually being critical. For some people, it's everybody. Like if, if a thousand people approved of what you did, but one person didn't, you're like, well, I failed. That's, that's a miserable way to live. There's an old saying that says, I don't know the secret to success, but I know the secret to failure. Try to please everybody. There's so much, so much truth in that. This idea that I, my value is found in being accepted by a few other people. And you think about the day we live in, 
we talk about this concept a lot, our can cancel culture. Uh, it's, it's a real thing that if you disagree with me, I'm going to cancel you. Another word for canceling you is rejecting you, outright rejecting you. And that's, that can lead to a lot of fear. That's why we have to settle some things. Where am I going to find my worth? Who is it that matters, that accepts me? I mean, this cancel culture idea is everywhere. The potential for rejection is everywhere. So it's important that we settle this. So let me, let me just answer this as well, as we did last time. What are some of the results of living in the fear of rejection? Well, one of those results is, is loneliness. Because sometimes when we're afraid, we're afraid to let people in. Uh, I'm afraid that if you really knew me, you would reject me. So sometimes we don't let anybody in. We keep everybody at arm's length or further out. But what happens over time is we find ourselves alone, feeling rejected. It's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy. So it can lead to loneliness. It can also lead to us being easily manipulated. Sometimes we could call it being becoming a people pleaser. That, that we find ourselves willing to do whatever makes somebody else seem to accept us. And for a while that might work, but eventually we find ourselves exhausted and, and ultimately resentful because we find our relationships just based on what we're offering, which then leads to the third one, resentment toward others. Maybe our most ultimately common response to dealing and living in this fear of, of rejection, whether it's in explosive rage or whether it works its way out through sarcasm or cynicism, that kind of thing. It can, for sure, it can be uh, exhausting. I remember one time seeing a photo of a pastor and the photo was from the back of the stage looking forward, you see the pastor out on the front of the stage and then literally there are thousands of people in the congregation. I remember looking at that and you might, some might think, oh man, that might be a pastor's dream to be standing in front of thousands of people. Well, when I saw that, what I, what I thought was I looked at those thousands of people and I went, oh, look at all those different opinions. <laughs> and I got tired. That was probably a day when I'm, I was letting the, you know, the, the approval of others carry too much weight in my life. And uh, man, I've spent, again, many, too many years with that, that being the case. So again, what's the answer? What is the gospel's answer to dealing with the fear of rejection? Well, it is the theological truth of reconciliation. Reconciliation, the truth that through Christ's sacrificial payment for our sins, we find forgiveness, reconciliation, and total acceptance through Christ. You know, before we come to know Christ, we are actually at odds with God. We are, Paul says in Romans, we are uh, enemies of God. And when we come to know Him, He takes us from being enemies and He makes us children, His children, His son or His daughter. That's who, that's who we become. And in fact, I... Many of you know, I, one of my favorite verses is 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, where, where John is kind of captured by this. 
He says this, that see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are, he said. He just, he's overtaken by it. That, that before we are anything else, we are sons and daughters. That we have been accepted by the one who matters most. That God himself, because of his death on the cross and resurrection, because of his work, has already, when we come to know him, he has fully accepted us. We are fully accepted. We're not going to get more accepted as we are more obedient. We are fully accepted, which again means we, we want to serve him, but not so we can be accepted. We, we obey him out of acceptance, out of the fact that we are fully accepted and we're grateful and we're secure in that. Now, again, my question to you is, do you believe this? Do you believe that this is true about you? If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, do you believe you are fully accepted and have been fully reconciled to him? Does it impact how you think? Does it impact how you deal with the very real fear of rejection? Is that, is that truth impacting your response to that fear? Dr. Robert McGee said that the only way we can overcome the fear of rejection is to value the constant approval of God over the conditional approval of people. This, is, this doesn't change. People's approval will, but God's doesn't. You are approved of. You are reconciled once and for all. So as we think about how we respond to the fear, whether it's these two or even others, how do, what is the key to this? There's one other thought I want to give us here. Because what's interesting is Jesus says there is one place where we should fear. There's actually one place where we should fear. And it's found in Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says this. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now, the context of this is, is this is the first time Jesus is sending the disciples out to preach the gospel. And he's saying to them, listen, don't be afraid of man. The worst man can do to you is take your, your life, the life of another. But he said, you should have this reverential fear of God because God cannot just take a life. He can take a soul. He's talking about the amazing power of God. He's not saying God wants to throw everybody in hell. The reason Jesus came, so people don't have to go there. But he is saying there is one, and, and maybe we could say it this way. We could say that the way we learn to fight the fears that come our way is with a deeper fear, the fear of God. The Old Testament talks a lot about the fear of God. But we can easily kind of get confused about that phrase, fear of God. Sometimes that means all of a sudden we kind of have this picture of cowering against God because God is this unpredictable tyrant who has a temper and you never know when it's going to go off and when he's going to zap you. And that is not the character of God. And that's not what it means when it talks about fearing God. It does, the word fear means a reverential awe 
and amazement at God. It means that God is so big in our view. His ability, His all-knowingness, His all-power. He's all-powerful. He, he is all-good. He's just. He's faithful. He never leaves. Both who He is and what He does, he, what He did for us on the cross and the resurrection. It's that reverential awe of who He is that gives us that foundation and the strength to be able to follow Him and trust Him more than we trust the lies of the fears that come our way. Uh -huh. You see, I would also again use the word confidence. Then when we talk about fearing God, we're talking about having more confidence in Him than in anything or anyone else. Our confidence in Him becomes deeper than our confidence in the lies we believe. That's when we begin to be able to live in freedom against the fears that come our way. Now, I, I want to I be clear about something when I'm talking about dealing with fear, and including these two fears we talked about. I'm not saying that if we have enough faith, those fears are just going to disappear. I don't think that's how it works. I don't think that in this world and in this life and in our imperfect humanness that fear is just going to go away. I think it's always going to be around. I think it's always something that will be there as an option for us. But where we begin to grow in emotional and spiritual health is when even though that threat of, yep, I might be rejected, or that threat of, man, if I do this, I might fail. We might recognize that it is there, but we're still going to obey the Lord. Our confidence in God becomes greater than our fear of failure, or greater than our fear of being rejected by some folks. We say yes to Him, knowing that may happen, but I'm still going to obey the Lord. I'm still going to follow Him. Um, fear can alert us to a threat, but it's our faith, our confidence in God that can determine our decision and our direction. It doesn't have to be the fear that does that. That's, that's really maybe a picture of healthy fear, the, uh, the ability to recognize the source of our fear without it controlling us, that our confidence in God is what determines the direction of our life. Now, I love this little prayer that I want to show you from David in the Psalms. Very short and simple, but it applies so much to what we're talking about today. In Psalm 56, 3, you see David just saying simply to the Lord, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. It doesn't say I, I won't be afraid. He says when I'm afraid, I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to put my confidence, my trust in you. Would you say that out loud with me? Let that be our prayer as well, let's just say it together, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I put my confidence in you. And again, my confidence in God, who He is, but also what He says and what He says about you. So let me ask you one more time. Which do you believe? Which do you believe? Do you believe that your value is based on your performance and on other people's opinions of you? 
or that through Christ you have been justified, that you've been made in, into right standing with him, and that you are totally accepted by and reconciled with him. Which of those do you believe? Which do you believe, that, that it's based on you, it's based on me, or it's based on Jesus? It's based on my performance or on his? It's based on his opinion of me or on others' opinions of me? Which do you believe? You see, as we grow, and, and listen, again, I want to say this. None of us have arrived at this. I, I can tell you that there was a day when I was, I was controlled by fear so much. And I'm not where I was. And I'm so glad I'm where I am, not there. But I've still got room to grow. We all do. We're, but this is the journey. That we be growing from fear to confidence. That we be growing more and more toward people who we obey the Lord, no matter the fear no matter the threat, we're going to say yes to Him. So we're living not by fear, but with courage and by faith. And who knows what He will do through us as we keep becoming those kinds of people. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would just take uh, this attempt and this tr these truths the very real fear that comes our way and you'd help us learn to remember wait a minute wait a minute what God says is true and that's a lie help us recognize the lie help us know the truth help us learn to live in confidence in you and Lord I pray for every person that is here that is watching that every person who's come to know you, that their confidence in you would just every day and for the rest of their lives be growing in you. And I pray for any and every person that's watching that has not yet come to know you, that very soon, even today, they might place their trust in you and find this freedom that is available, the confidence that cannot be found anywhere else except in you. I pray that you would move and work in their lives even now. And Lord, I pray that you would work among us to be a movement of people who are confident in our great God, in you, living courageously and obediently and being used beyond ways we could ever imagine. So I ask you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's keep growing together in this direction toward obedience, toward confidence, confidence and not be led by fear. Let's do it together. God bless you, Resonate. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting resonate.net.